Hey guys, welcome to our Sermon of the Week podcast. Today's message is from Nathan Herndon. If you're interested in partnering with us, check out our app or website for ways to give. guys, so you got your Bibles open to the book of Matthew, right? Let me just read this passage that we're going to be in, and then I'm going to backtrack here. But this is the story of Jesus being baptized. Um, let's, let's back all the way up to Matthew chapter 3, starting with verse 13. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee, Galilee to the Jordan to John, that's John the Baptist, to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, which honestly, guys, like, I love that. That's not false humility. That's John saying, I know who you are. You know, you are the worthy one, not me. But John said, I I need to be uh, baptized by you, and do you come to me? Look at verse 15. But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. Look at verse 16. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. Man, that's important, especially after a Holy Spirit series, right? So this is, listen to this. Was the Holy Spirit not in Jesus right now? I, I don't think so. This is the Holy Spirit coming on Jesus, anointing him as he starts his ministry. And then look at verse 17. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Now, we're talking about becoming a man, biblical masculinity. Why in the world would I read this passage? Wouldn't we read a passage about David's mighty men who knew how to kill thousands of people with a, with a stick, right? And it's because we don't really understand what masculinity is or where it comes from in our culture. We actually have something that if, if, if we passed a mic around this place or we went and hit the streets, we went into Target this afternoon, we asked people, what is a man? Probably their definition of masculinity would, would be what we would call toxic masculinity. What toxic masculinity is uh, selfishness is on a rampage, arrogance is on a rampage, abusiveness is on a rampage where it uses people and blames instead of taking responsibility for your own thoughts, life, and actions, Right? But I want to suggest that we are seeing more toxic masculinity in our culture and in our world because we're losing a biblical masculinity. Now, the biblical masculinity actually serves, it protects, it lays down its life, it empowers without fear. Biblical masculinity is not afraid to see strength come in the room. Biblical masculinity doesn't have to be the strongest person. See? Pushing everybody else down so they can be top dog. Actually, if you have to do that, it just shows that maybe you want to be a man. You're just not one. So biblical masculinity empowers people without fear and then takes responsibility. Not only for uh, yourself, but for others. So I'm suggesting that we're seeing more toxic masculinity in our culture. We're losing biblical masculinity, and here's why. It's because we're losing fathers. I want to talk about fathers today. I want to talk about what fathers do for a generation. I want to talk about what fathers do for a people. I want to talk about what fathers do in a family. I want to talk about what fathers do in a church. And that is the reason why I'm reading this today, because I'm not talking about teaching people how, how to shoot and hunt, which we need. We need to know that. That is just not the definition of biblical masculinity. We, we need to know those things, right? It's just not the definition of it all. And if, if, if you know how to hunt, you drive a big truck, and you've got, you've got uh, you know, deer heads all over your house, sometimes it can just be an attempt to feel like a man because, you, because when you're alone with yourself and your own thoughts, you know that you're not. 
I, I'm so, I, I'm, I don't want to celebrate, I don't want to celebrate just the trying to feel, okay? But I do want to recognize that it is important that men have a longing, a God-given, God-DNA, wired, hardwired into our hearts, have a longing to be the man that God has called them to be. And God has a dream for men, that men would actually be men, that men that are in line with his heart. But if you see this passage here in, in Matthew chapter 3, you'll see that the most important thing, what starts off masculinity, is the father's voice over his son, or I would say over his daughter. That, not how to fight, not how to make money, not how to be successful, but son, daughter, here's how your dad feels about you. That is something that we have completely lost in our society. And as a result, what's happening is men that have the desire to be seen as men are running loose without ever hearing how their dads feel about them. Do you know that statistically speaking, over 50% of, uh, of children come from a fatherless home? Over 50%. One out of every two kids had a father. And, th and that statistic doesn't even you know, speak to the reality that just because this one kid had a dad, that doesn't mean that, that the dad was engaged or even a real man knowing how to make another man or another woman. All right? I heard a story, this true story, about, uh, it was about elephants in, a, um, in a, a park in South Africa. And what happened is there was a, a herd of juvenile male elephants that started attacking people, attacking tourists. And, you know, safari, you know, guides were, were taking people that paid top dollar down to see, you know, leopards and uh, whatever you look at in South Africa. But these juvenile uh, male elephants were attacking the safari vehicles, destroying buildings, killing people, just, just weighing laced this, this whole park. And the people didn't know what to do. They were a protected species, but they thought, maybe we need to put these things down. But somebody who actually knew elephants um, was reached out to, and the, this person said, this problem is easy to fix. You don't need to shoot them. You don't need to you know, starve them. You, you, you don't need to put up more walls. They'll just tear them down. They're elephants. What, here's, here's what happened is this elephant expert studied the situation, and realized that these juveniles had uh, grown up in seclusion with no fathers. And so they're trying to, this, even in the animal kingdom, look at this, guys. These male juveniles are trying to become men, but they're trying to become men by hurting people. And so what they did is they introduced older male elephants, and in five seconds, the problem was fixed. They just introduced dads. That's it. One of the juveniles tried to kill someone. The dad just knocked him on his tail. It's just kind of stomped, communicating however elephants do. You're a moron, all right? That is not how we in the elephant family act around here. And the juvenile fell in line because the dad showed up. Hey, dads, can I tell you what? It doesn't matter if your kids like you or not. You are raising up sons and daughters, and it needs to be done with intentionality. And you're making decisions for them that will shape their future and their life, that will chart their destiny. And so many times, we are, do you know that, that the opposite of masculinity, biblically speaking, is passivity? 
Do you know that? The opposite of masculinity is passivity. And many times, since we haven't heard the Father's voice over our lives, and we don't know that we are the beloved sons, many times we are trying to get our kids to like us. And so we let them be people that hurt others. It's just really wrong, and it doesn't need to be this way. When dads show up, culture changes. When fathers show up, strength is inserted into a situation that, that at one time we thought, man, we're going to have to put these things down. But no, you don't need to put them down. It's just these are juveniles. They're not men yet. You know what you need? It's dads. It's dads. I heard a story about how gang violence was, was breaking out in a, uh, in a school and so the administration of the school didn't know what to do, and, and so they were just clueless. You know, the, the cops couldn't fix it. You know, the, the gold stars wouldn't fix anything, you know? And so what happened is one of the dads seeing this organized a whole band of brothers, 40 men, and they became, they, they just, they introduced themselves as fathers in the school, and everything changed like that. But the problem is this strength that fathers carry this anointing from God that fathers carry is actually being pushed down and not recognized as valuable in our culture, in our society, or in our world. Uh, uh, mostly because, in my opinion, we've seen toxic masculinity, which would be the juveniles on display with no fathers trying to be men, and we haven't actually seen what it looks like when the father raises up young men of consequence. So the problem is that this is the most fatherless generation in all of history. Okay? Do you know why girls think that they're kitty cats sometimes? Do you know why boys think that they're girls sometimes? Hello. It's because it's the most fatherless generation in all of history. You know, fathers, fathers bestow identity. And when you take fathers out of the picture, what happens is, is people are going to go after identity, but they're going to do it as a juvenile who they're going to determine it on their own. If you feel like a cat one day and you kind of enjoy licking your paw and you start identifying as a cat and you don't have a father to come in and say, you're not a cat, you're a girl, all right, then the culture is going to go south in a hurry, and it is. This is the most fatherless generation in all history. Fatherlessness in the past was due to war. <laughs> okay? So this is double fatherlessness that is producing a double orphan spirit on our watch. Because fatherlessness in the past was due to war. And at least if your dad didn't come home, you knew that he wasn't come home because he laid his life down for you and your country. Now what is happening is we have, fa we have fatherlessness, but the dads are still alive. They've just rejected their sons and daughters. And we're exper experiencing double fatherlessness because many of the fathers are still alive, just not around. 54% of Americans come from a fatherless home. And so there is no, like, you know, we, we, can, we can scream at the devil and we can do all these things. You know what, you know what the devil is doing is the devil is trying to take out dads. The devil is trying to, trying to tear down the home. The devil is, is, is trying to, to lie to families. All right? And I, I'm so tired of, like, screaming at the fruit instead of taking care of the root. You know what I'm saying? And so as the, as the church, God's calling us. It, like, Jesus modeled this. He, he said, I do what I hear not my, you know, my constituents doing. 
I do what I hear my dad doing. So he knew, he modeled it, what it was like to do life with his father. When you start, listen, in in the natural, not even in the spiritual, the supernatural, but as a son or a daughter, when you start despising your father's voice or your mother's voice, you know the enemy is after your heart. Trying to silence the voice that would call you into the destiny that God has has, uh, providentially had you born into. Luke chapter 1, verse 16, you need to turn there, just listen to this. This is, this is a, a prophetic word from the angel to Mary about, um, well, no, it's actually to Elizabeth. Look at this. Let me, let me just read this instead of trying to talk and find this. It, listen to this. And he would turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. This is a, this is a prophetic word about John the Baptist who just baptized Jesus. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. Look at verse 17. He will go before him. In other words, he will go before the Messiah, that's Jesus, and the spirit and power of Elijah. And here's what he's going to do as he goes before Jesus. We think that he just, he just preached hellfire and brimstone and like called people to repentance, and he did. But, he, but here's the platform that he did it on, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. That's what he did. That's what he did. Wait a second. I thought he was like a voice in the wilderness. Yeah, he was. And his voice in the wilderness was was calling dads to look at their sons, calling dads to look at their daughters. It's calling dads' hearts home and calling calling children back to their fathers. And you see this again in in, uh, Malachi, um, or, you know, as some of you like to, you know, call Malachi, the Italian prophet, right? Uh, You know, I, I think Steve S. Palmer and I deduced from long Hebrew study that Malachi was actually from Jersey. He was really, really crazy. And uh, so, like, I think Steve has something going there. But listen to this. You know the last thing? The last verse in the Old Testament. The last verse in the Old Testament uh, is Malachi chapter 4, verse 6. And this is another prophetic word about the forerunner, the, the one coming before Jesus. He would turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. This, this, is, this is massively important. We, we barely talk about it. There's so many things in the church that we're gonna start talking about that we barely talk about, like sexuality, like fatherlessness. These are the things we need to be talking about. But here we, we, we see that John the Baptist's ministry of preparing the way for the Messiah, how did he do it? He did it by turning fathers to children and children to fathers. That was the heartbeat of his message. It wasn't repent, God hates you. It was God loves you so much that he's sending a forerunner than the Messiah to come after you. What, what would the older brother and the younger brother have been in Luke 15 without the dad? Do you know the dad actually was watching for the prodigal and, and the moment he saw a glimmer of him, ran to him and the father also ran to the older brother stuck in his ways and his religious heart but he still comes out into the field to beg the father to party with him. It's the father's role is so massively important. We see in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 6, that grandchildren are the crown of the aged. See, this is valuing kids. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children in one's youth, the Bible says. Grandchildren are the crown of the aged. And listen to this. And the glory of children is their father's. 
So the word glory here is we know glory at when, it, when it speaks to God. And here, in, the, in, the, in a similar way, it's, it's speaking about glory, but it's putting it on dads this time. So it's saying, it's saying the beauty of children is their dads. I, I'm just asking this morning, what happens to the joy of a generation when their fathers aren't on the scene? And you start losing glory in a generation. What if, we, what if we remove fathers from children? Listen, children are going to, there is a, a, a God-sized thing going in our hearts where God wired us to have a father's voice speak to it. And if a father doesn't do that, we're going to, a whole generation, guys, is going to answer the question on their own. And it'll be orphan over a whole generation. Many times, it actually, and this really gets me, many times our culture celebrates this kind of mindset by calling it a self-made man. Look at that guy. He's a self-made man. Yay! Stand up for the self-made man. But a self-made man is actually a curse. What a self-made man is, a man who had to figure out life on his own somehow still became successful, successful enough to be celebrated today. But a self-made man is actually a curse this is, this is what expert, Christian experts are calling that a self-made man is an uninitiated man, an uncertain man, a partial man, a boy in a man's body that didn't have a father initiating him into biblical masculinity. Because the deep question of a man's soul has never been answered, and you just had to make it up by yourself. And this is where many of us find ourselves. Listen, guys. Let your heart feel for a second. All right, even you guys had a good dad. No dad is perfect. And, and no father can ultimately initiate you into manhood except for the father, okay? And we all have wounds. We all have stuff going on. And many men find themselves with, when it gets quiet and dark, and when you turn off the TV and get the phone out of your hands for maybe five minutes a day, if that, and when you stop trying to medicate your heart, you will find a deep ache for a father on the inside. A deep ache for a father's voice. You know that I have a master's degree. I, I did almost eight years of biblical studies. And in all, listen, I'm not knocking, I'm saying, in all of my studies, I was taught how to parse Greek verbs. I was taught different languages. I was, I was taught about the Reformation. I was taught about church history. I was taught about strategic leadership. I was never, in all of my years, like this, I, I'm, I'm studying to be a pastor of a church, not even one class on how to be a good man. So you can, you can study, we, we don't, it's because we don't understand we don't understand that it's better to have a, a, a good dad that has been initiated into manhood with the, the root question in his heart answered than a good the, theologian that has right answers. How to study the Bible. Listen, that's important, but I would rather have a good man that's modeling it. Never taught how to be a man. So some of, this, this, some of this stuff, some of this message, and some of this series is, is coming from my own personal pain. I had, a, I had a great dad. My dad kept taking me to Jesus. But do you know what it's like to be in the Brother in Christ Church and go through divorce and infidelity and adultery? Do you know what that's like? Do you know what it's like to have multiple stepfathers, one of them that 
knocked your mom's teeth out in front of you? You know what? Do you know what it's like to have the whole church turn on you and the community of men that should say, hey, Nathan and Philip, that they need the community of men, but the community of men turns and just says, basically, lepers. Guys, I know this really well. I noticed my, uh, when my parents got divorced, my, my granddad, who I needed his voice so bad, he was an attorney from Atlanta. He moved up and he bought a house just so we could move in with him, get our bearings. And he wanted to be, he wanted to be a good granddad to us because he was basically out of our life. And in six months, he uh, basically told us where to go, and it's not heaven, and moved back to Atlanta. Never heard from him again. The ministry of fathers to children, massively important, massively important. I just want to talk in my, my last few moments, I want to talk about what fathers do to a generation. I, just, I read the passage in Matthew, specifically verse 17, it says, behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with, with whom I am well pleased. Can I tell you this, guys? Here's what fathers do to sons and daughters. Here's what, here's what fathers do to a generation. As fathers, if you don't remember anything, remember this. Fathers bestow. Femininity and masculinity is, is not conjured or found. It is bestowed. It is bestowed. It is, it is placed on you and gifted to you. And men cross into manhood when real men tell them that they're men. And the same thing with, with daughters. When real men tell them that they're women. We've lost initiation rights. We, we, we've lost right of passage for the most part in our culture and society. But I'm telling you right now that the ministry of fathers to a generation is, is fathers bestow masculinity and femininity on sons and daughters. It's massively important. Identity, identity, masculine, masculine identity, feminine identity is bestowed by fathers. And if it's not bestowed, it will be sought out and defined on its own. Hear this? See, and this, this may sound alien, to us. This may sound foreign to us. This, this may not even sound biblical to us because we've lost such touch with it. The problem is, is not that this is new revelation. This is an ancient door that we've, we, we've lost the path to. This is all throughout scripture. We don't even know how to read the Bible to see real men doing strong things and fighting for sons and daughters anymore. We, we just, we, we see that, ah, ah, and, and we, we actually resist some of this stuff. I, I want to tell you this, that, that the ministry of fathers to a generation is a ministry of bestowing masculinity and femininity on sons and daughters. And what it looks like is this. It, it looks like belonging. Matthew 17, and behold, a voice from heaven said, if you have any doubt, this wasn't the voice of an angel. This wasn't the voice of Abraham or someone. This is the voice of the father. A voice from heaven that said, this Speaking of Jesus, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. I want to I point out one word here. This is my. Do you see this? Not by mistake. The father speaks to the son. That one's mine. That one right there. He belongs to me. He belongs with me. He's mine. This is a, this is a word. If you want a word to speak over your kids... 
and you don't know what to say, and you're not good at theology, and you don't know how to do a Bible study, and they're freaking out and all this stuff, you, you, you just call them yours. That one's mine. You can freak out all you want. You can be a spaz all you want. You can disobey me all you want, but nothing is going to keep you from being mine. You'll be mine if you're in obedience. You'll be mine if you're in disobedience. You'll be mine if you're in jail. You'll be mine from jail. You're just mine. If, if, you, if you pull a prodigal and, and you uh, run, you wish I was dead and you want to take all my money, you want to spend it on prostitutes, you be, you be, as you're spending it on prostitutes, you'll still be mine. This is, this is you, you're mine, not based on your performance, you're mine based on your sonship. You're just mine. And we, this is why we have to get the gospel right, because many times we have a gospel that is, if I'm good enough for God and he likes me and I've done more good than bad. Listen, that's how Santa Claus operates, but that is not how the Father operates. All right? It is relationship, it is, it is purchase price of, of adoption, where you actually belong to your heavenly father and he, and you are his. Now, now some of you will be studying this and saying, well, Nathan, this is the father speaking over the son. This is not the father speaking over us. All right, okay, all right. Well, thanks for asking that, I heard it. Listen, if you understand what happens at the gospel is you actually, all that Jesus had, he gives to you. All of his, the, the righteousness that he has, you become through faith, not through works, not through trying. Jesus takes you through when, you, when your faith is in him, what he's done at the cross. He takes all of his righteousness and he gives it to you. And then you, you're adopted into a new family. And if you're adopted into a new family, you have a new father. So as you hear this, this, this belonging, I'm telling you, the father is speaking. If you're in Christ, you belong in the kingdom. Well, I'm not like the other people. I like to dance and they like to stare. Well, I, I just, mine, 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 mine. I've gone so far. Well, you were his there. The father says, that boy's mine. And then a, a, a father's, here's what it looks like to bestow sonship or daughtership on a generation. Fathers bestow value. They bestow value. Do you know how many people feel like they're worth nothing? All right? And I'm not saying that we're worthy. Jesus alone is worthy, okay? All right? But we're not worth less, you see. Value. And the Father communicates value when he says this. A, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved. 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 This is not just mine. Like, I possess him in a, in a weird way. All right, to work for me, to do stuff for me. I had a stepdad that I was, I was his as long as I was, you know, working hard on the farm, man. Bailing hay. I learned how to drive a pickup truck at 12 so I could try to get this weirdo to like me. So it's, it's not, it's not, you're, you're loved if you perform well. It's that you don't have to do a thing except be mine, and when you're mine, you're adored. Many sons and daughters have never heard their dads say, you're the apple of my eye. I adore you with all my heart. And you, you, want to talk, you want to talk about why your marriage isn't good, men? It's because you're trying to get your soul's question answered from your wife, and she can't answer it. Has to be dad. Has to be dad. 
I found the prettiest wife I could and she should be able to answer it. Like I, I drive a big freaking truck. Doesn't matter. Am I allowed to say freaking here? This is man Sunday, right? Is it? Doesn't matter. Like, listen, it doesn't matter how impressed a woman, uh, the, the most beautiful woman in the world, impressed by you, she can't answer your heart cry. Dad has to. And you know what your dad says? He says, you're mine and you're loved. Listen to this, men and women, boys and girls, sons and daughters. Before a boy, this is John Eldridge, I'm quoting him. Before a boy can become a man, he must know that he is his father's beloved. This is not what is taught in schools. This is not taught. You can't become a man until you, you hear the affection of your father. And this is why, guys, dads in the natural, they try their best, but they don't communicate this right. And this is why, let me skip to the end. This is why the father must be your obsession. <laughs> Because no person can answer the question. A good or the best earthly dad cannot satisfy that love. Has to be the father's love. But but I want you to hear today that fathers, if you want to raise your sons into manhood and daughters into womanhood, they they don't like listen, saying, Oh, they know. I worked my butt off for them. Of course, where do you think the you know this gravy came from? Right? Well, listen. Let sons and daughters don't put two and two together and do math. Here's how it works. is the father's voice speaking over sons and daughters. Mine, my beloved. Honestly, do you know that Jesus knows that he's adored by his father? Do you know, that's what's going on here. Jesus knows he's adored by his dad. And this is, this is where it starts. So many times we're trying to get kids to stop disobeying, stop disobeying. And we're, listen, I'm right there. I'm right there trying to change morals instead of root systems. Many times our, our, uh, our parenting is to try to have kids not, not embarrass us in public instead of saying, I've got a daughter here that needs to be a full-grown woman. I've got a son here that actually needs to become a man. I was uh, the basketball coach at Hanover High School. I was just thinking of leaving Hanover and moving to the cool, you know, to the cool crew here in Spring Grove, going to Spring Grove, because I believe that my son has a call in his life to play basketball, and I think I want to get behind him. So we're just going to go and let him dunk on Spring Grove hoops. But I talked to the new basketball coach that just came in. He's a young guy, Messiah College grad. I said, what's your philosophy of ministry? So you've got, you've got one moment to try to you know, win my heart. He said, he goes, Mr. Herndon, he said, listen, he goes, I'm not the best basketball coach in the world. He goes, this is my first time coaching boys. He goes, but my main thing is I'm trying to help boys become men. I was like, we're staying in Hanover, yo. We are staying. That Listen, if you can play basketball at 16 as a man among boys, you can go places. So b before a boy can become a man, he must first know that he's a, he is his father's Beloved, the apple of his eye. And then here's the last thing, and I've mentioned this multiple times, but I have to hit it again, is what bestowing masculinity looks like. It looks like belonging. It looks like value, but it also looks like identity. Notice that the Father says to Jesus, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son. That is identity. It's the Father telling you who you are. This is in America. Americans have such a twisted view and version of freedom, they think they get to decide their own gender. 
I'm, I'm not saying this harshly, but it's got to be said. This is not biblical. The fathers tell you who you are. The father's not asking the son how he identifies. He's not like, hey, Jesus, I love you. You're mine. You're my beloved. What do you want to be? You want to be a boy or a girl? You want to be a cat or a penguin? I don't know, Father. I kind of feel like a giraffe. Okay, well, this is my beloved giraffe then. It's not how it is, guys. This is, you know, that, that is a broken system producing fruit is what it is. Why would we feed it? The Father says, Jesus, you're my son. You're my son. Not asking how you identified. And we're losing identity Listen, as, as you see, culturally speaking, we're losing identity as we're losing dads. As we're losing fathers, we're losing people, we're losing their identity. If a son feels like a girl, a father speaks identity. Hey, listen, I know you feel like a girl. Here's the thing, though, you're not. You can feel like a girl to, the, to your dying day, but you're my son. I'm well pleased with you. That's what dads do. A girl can come home licking her paws like a kitty cat, and a father can say, listen, my, my daughter... You're mine, you're my beloved, but you're not a cat, you're a girl. And this is what dads do. Do you know what happens to girls that think that they're cats in the school system? They get jacked up. This is, this, schools weren't, teachers weren't, weren't supposed to raise our kids, they can't. Fathers speak identity. And it's interesting in Matthew uh, chapter 13, when, when you, the very next thing after Jesus is baptized, as, as he is initiated, as he's empowered by the Holy Spirit, as he's just heard his father's boy, voice, you're mine, you're my beloved, you're my son, with you I am well pleased. I'm not ashamed of you, I'm well pleased with who you are. Do you know the very thing that happens next is he goes into 40 days of testing. And do you know what the testing looked like uh, right after this from the enemy? If you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. If you are, this is, it's an assault on identity. It's an assault on the truth that was just spoken over the son. If you are the son, then, then, it's, it's, a, it's a challenge. It's challenging God-ordained identity. And listen, I'm telling you, dads, do you know what you do? You know, the, the best thing that you can do is you speak identity, you speak belonging, you, you speak value, you, you, you speak mine, mine, loved, loved, and you do it till your dying day, and you raise up a generation of people that heard their father's voice. And in the heart of a young boy, a boy is crying out, do I have what it takes? That's why when boys Often, not all boys, but often when boys build a block fort, they have fun knocking it down. If you go up to a boy and say, now, now son, listen, in this house, we build up. We don't tear down. That's called Christian stupidity, all right? This is like, this is just like, no, no, boys need to build something and then demolish it. It's something inside of them. Listen, I, I, I know that it's football season and I know that I tossed out a false prophecy about the, you know, the commanders being the Eagles and I repent in sackcloth and ashes. You want me to try to take my shirt off? Like, what do you need? Okay, I'm, I'm sorry, all right? But, but listen, like, do you know, do you know what sports replaced? So we, we don't know history. Do you know where sports replaced? War. Do you know that? Men being into sports and fantasy football and all that strategy and the huh and getting out there and like hammering each other and risking concussions is because God wired a man for battle. 
And so the worst thing that a wife can do to a husband is say, you love the lions more than Jesus. It's not how you get to a man's heart. It's the opposite, and you'll push him away faster than anything. Did I just go there? Oh, good. Oh, good. A girl's heart. You know how God wired a girl's heart? This image of God on men and women, because you know that men and women are different. All right? They're different. All right? But let me tell you this. Spiritual gifts aren't different. There's no gender-specific gifts. Women can lead, yo. Women can preach, yo. Do you know that? There's not gender-specific gifts in the Bible. I'll go to my grave on that one. All right? Women's, women actually find their voice around real men, not lose it. You see? When you have real men, it's like the man. You say, yeah, speak, girl, go. You've got real men around here that want to actually see you succeed. But a, a, a woman, a girl's heart cries out, am I beautiful? Am I worth pursuing? My be- and this is what fathers come in. You are beautiful. You're mine. You're worth it. This is how a man treats a girl. You see, guarding heart. Raising up, speaking life into her. That's where dads are so important. But here, I, I, I want to just, you know, I, I'm, out of, I'm out of time once again. But if you're just wondering, what do I do? How do I start? Where do I go? Well, you need to discover your wound. Because everybody has a dad wound. Or an imperfect dad just didn't father with perfection. It happens. And you need to discover your wound. Know how, it's going to be scary, and you're going to get angry, and you're going to want to resist it and run from it, and you're going to want to uh, embrace a passive life where you don't have to feel the pain of your wound. But I'm telling you, be a man and push into your wound and ask the Holy Spirit to come and heal that hurt. I, I think that most men are about 9 to 12 years old emotionally. I just feel like, you ever talk to a guy like, man, that guy's got big muscles. Boy, does he stink. His truck is sick. But man, he acts like a kitten. It's because it doesn't matter how big you are, you can be 57 years old and still a boy on the inside because wherever you first got hurt in your masculine identity is where you stayed. And you need to discover the wound so Jesus can come back and the Father can speak healing mine valuable identity over you. Hey, here's, here's another thing you can do. You need to discover the root wound. And it's, it's going to be easy because it's, the, it's, it's crying out on the inside. And you're, you're trying to cover it with whiskey and golf and vegging. And just stop doing the things that you veg with and it will be exposed fast. But here's another thing. I'll start beginning to pray for initiation. A lot of men that get into this, like they start spending time with God and they actually hear the Father's invitation. You want me to initiate you? And, and you just respond with a yes, whatever it takes, Dad. I want you to initiate me into masculinity. Like I think so many men, they know that they're male, but they don't know if they're a man. They don't know if they're a man. <laughs> and you need to be initiated into manhood. And this is, this is right of passage. This is, this is where a father, or when you don't have a father, this is where a community of real men tell you when you've become one. And they help to train you to get there so you can become one. Taking responsibility, caring for people, not using people, but exerting strength for people. And it takes intentionality, and it's a journey, but it takes a man to do it. I remember 
I remember when a light went off for me. I was 27 years old, just about to start Providence. I was a youth pastor at the time, and I was uh, struggling with this, guys. I was like, you know how I felt? I felt, I felt gifted, but not wanted. But I'm a pretty gifted guy. At, at, at 21 years old, I could get in front of people and preach a sermon. I could lead worship with, you know, I don't know. I, 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 could, I could do a lot of stuff. I, I was wanted and played tug of war for because from, from men who wanted to use me. And I, I remember I, I was serving at this church and then that church and seeing all kinds of great stuff happening. But an electrician named Dave Ehrman hired me on the side because I wasn't making enough money to provide for my growing family as a youth pastor. And so I needed a side job. And so I started running electric for one guy. But I, when I started running electric for Dave Ehrman, who I think lives in Spring Grove, I don't know where he is anymore, but, he, but he, we're driving along, and he's got coffee and not a to-go cup. It's coffee just sloshing around and coming out. He's the most disorganized electrician I've ever seen. It's just like stuff's rolling, whole like, I don't know how he had like Excalibur swords in the back or something, just like coming around, and that we're driving down the road, and he says, and it's kind of like country Spring Grove way, he goes, you know, Nathan, you're a man. I'm like, what, what? He said, I just want you to know that you're a man. So when you see someone that you recognize as a man and they tell you you're a man, it does something to a man's soul, a man's masculine soul. And I think that some of you just, just need to hear that in a, in a fresh way today. You need to hear the, the Father speaking over you. Do you want to be initiated? I want to take you on a journey. Do you want to be a part of it? Let's, listen, guys, here's what I want to see at Providence. I want to see us getting outside the walls, and we're going to go to Florida on Tuesday. We're going to come back with stories, right? Uh, but I want to see us, our base of operations is we've got a community that's healthy enough to speak to speak identity into people, into one another, and that's what discipleship looks like. It doesn't look like classes. It looks like this. Thanks for checking out our Sermon of the Week. If you have questions or would like to get connected, download our app or visit us at providencecommunity.org.